In part 10 of Ephesians 1, 3-6, I want to focus on that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world for a particular purpose. And it's amazing to think that before there was a universe, God was planning our holiness and our blamelessness before Him. Father, I pray that the wonder that your chosen ones were your focus of planning before there were stars, space, solar system, human history. Take our breath away, Lord, at the God of the universe setting your favor on us to the end that through creation and fall and redemption, recovery, new creation, you would be aiming at our holiness and blamelessness. Oh, show us this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's my key question. Who is this? He, this is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, He chose us in Him, that's Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Is the Him He or is the Him Him? That's my question. Most people, it seems to me, assume this is God the Father rather than God the Son. That may well be. I don't want to be dogmatic about this. It could be either, and I'm going to argue for a kind of combination. Let me show you why. The closest place where we get a parallel to holy and blameless, these very words, holy and blameless, is found over in Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, the church, that he might sanctify, that is, make holy, make her holy, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself, Christ, to himself, present the church to himself in splendor, without any spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. This is translated a little differently, but it's exactly the same words, holy and blameless, So Christ dies precisely in order that, so that he might present a people, a church, an assembly to himself, the elect to himself, holy and without blemish or holy and blameless. So this is a very close parallel to Holy and blameless, 
So God chose us to be holy and blameless before him. And given the parallel in 525 and 7, this hymn looks very much like it should be Christ. He chose us to be holy and blameless before Christ, because that's what Christ came to do, is to make a holy and uh, blameless people before himself. Now, let's trace that theme through Paul and the rest of the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 11. Paul says, I feel a divine jealousy for you, Corinthians, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you a pure virgin to Christ. So Paul sees himself as a kind of uh, matchmaker. <laughs> he's, he's gathering a church. He's gathering a people. And he is betrothing them for a marriage someday to Jesus Christ. And the focus is on their purity. He wants to present them pure to Christ, which corresponds to this holy and without blemish Christ presenting the church to himself Back in Matthew chapter 22, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. So the picture of the kingdom of God being a wedding feast in which God gathers a people for his son in a wedding. John 3, 28, 29, John the Baptist says, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The Christ is the bridegroom. I'm not the Christ. I don't have the bride. The friend of the bridegroom, that's me. I'm like a kind of best man. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this my joy, this joy of mine is complete because many people are coming to Christ, that is, to the bridegroom, and those people are the bride. So this is the picture in the New Testament of Christ comes into the world, and he begins to gather a people. He dies for them. He sanctifies them. He makes them uh, splendid for himself as a church, that is, as a bride. And so in the book of Revelation 19, we read, let us rejoice and exult and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen of the right is the righteous deeds, you could say, the holiness the blamelessness of the saints. So it appears to me that we have very good warrant to say that before the foundation of the world, God chose us to be a holy and blameless bride before his son, Jesus Christ. That was the goal of the universe to bring about a people a blood-bought people, as verse 7 will say. 
for his son for eternity. However, it might be a reference to the father because the other close connection or close parallel of holy and blameless is here in Colossians 1. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Now, here, this is important. Through him, and that him right there would be Christ and the person doing the reconciling through him would be God or the fullness of God is reconciling through Christ to himself all things. That's going to be important when we get down here. Whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he, and then the question is, who is that he? In isolation, you'd say it could be Christ, just like it could be Christ back in Ephesians 1, 4. But in view of the fullness of God through Christ doing the reconciling, then this reconciling is probably also God, not Christ. So God has now reconciled in, and then this could be translated, the body of his flesh. If you read his body of flesh, then it looks like he has to be Christ. But most translators don't take it away, and most Commentators don't take this to be Christ, but rather God. Some do, not most. So, be translated, God has now reconciled in the body of Christ's flesh, his flesh, by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless, which is exactly the same words as back here in Ephesians 1. He chose us to be holy and blameless before him. And so we have here in Colossians he reconciled us in order to present you, us, holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Same phrase. So what shall we then say? What I'm going to say is I'm not sure whether Paul has precisely in mind with this hymn here, God the Father, or whether he has God the Son. Both are perfectly legitimate theologically, but what we can say is something like this. If it is the Son that he has in view, he's preparing a, a splendid, beautiful bride for his Son. Colossians 1 says, in that Son, all the fullness of God, deity, was pleased to dwell. So, we are really forced, in a sense, to say these are so closely connected that if you have the one, you have the other. The Father, God, here, is fully in Jesus Christ. They're inseparable. And Jesus is full of the deity of God. They are one. This is the doctrine of the Trinity, that the Son and the Father are one, so that when before him we are made holy and blameless, it is before the other 
also. And maybe, and we'll see this in the next several uh, sessions, maybe we should say, in view of the fact that he predestined us, he chose us to be holy and blameless before the Son in splendor, and he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons, God is presenting both a marriage and a family. In other words, he wants a bride and children. We'll pick that up next time when we ask the question, does this in love here modify what goes that way or what goes that way?